Hi, and welcome to the Leadership Untitled podcast, the show where I speak to an expert in the area of leadership and or L&D. And by the end of the show, we decide together on what the title will be for that episode based on the conversation flow. This week, I've got Graham Wilson, who founded his Success Factory for Leadership over 27 years ago now and is an expert in the area and speaks regularly about it, has his own podcast and is a recognised author also with his book, Leadership Laid Bare. So I can't wait to get stuck into this conversation with what one of his clients called the Leadership Wizard. So without further ado, let's join Graham. So hi, Graham. Welcome to the Leadership Untitled podcast. Uh, it's great to have you join me today. Thanks for joining. My pleasure, Rob. It's uh, really exciting. I know we're, we're both passionate about leadership and we're also passionate about L&D, aren't we, as well? So I'm really excited to share some thoughts and ideas with you. Oh, Looking massively. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I started this, this podcast, Graeme, is that throughout my career in L&D, I think leadership has come up as the one thing that either makes or breaks the things yeah. that I've tried to do. Um, yeah. And I guess for that reason, the influence I've tried to have on leadership outside the, the L&D projects mm. uh, has been a massive thing. So, you know, how, how did you get into all of that? I guess for me, you know, I I, uh, I couldn't wait to leave school, uh, which is quite ironic because my mum was a, a school teacher and she actually taught at the same school to me, which was quite good from a, a grown up point of view. You learned how to be hard and strong in, in that yeah. environment, uh, overcome the bullying, let's say. Um, no, my mum's a fantastic teacher, which was well respected at school, so it made my life easy. But I just couldn't get into education really because it just I just didn't see the purpose behind it. I just... Mm -hmm. I don't know whether that's uh, I'm a you know, young boy or whatever, but I just I wasn't inspired. Uh, there was a couple of teachers that really inspired me. Yeah, ironically, they sort of tend to be around uh, sport um, and um, I suppose some of their more hands-on sort of type of learning. But yeah. I just, you know, I just found it really difficult. So I left at 16 and uh, I joined the military. And it was there that I really sort of started to experience you know, what's possible from a, a human point of view and, and how amazing we are. Yeah, with the right development and mm. you know be able to create this high trust environment where you were pushed really hard you were taken outside your comfort zone and it's amazing what you can really achieve so that whole concept and, and you know my my purpose now is about awakening possibility in people mm. uh, to deliver extraordinary results and, and that's really where that came from so at 16 i suddenly realized actually that i was capable of far more things than i thought i was ever possible and also learning how to purpose you know, when someone tells you that if you don't learn this, you, you probably could die. <laughs> so it sort of makes sense then, doesn't it? To, to learn it. But it was also hands-on as well. You know, and, and um, yeah, my mum, you know, when, when I said to yeah, that I, I wanted to leave, uh, not do A-levels and, and go, into, go into the army, she said, well, you know, I'd love you to go and do A-levels, go to university. But I think, you know, if you're really passionate about that, then we support you, which was great. Mm. I said, well, but go and get a trade. So I, I trained initially really in, in communications, um, radio communications. Okay. So I did an apprenticeship in that and, and it was really good to get the balance between, you know, learning things for real. Yeah, you know, I'm very you know, kinesthetic and, and I like to learn. Uh, once I know the purpose, I'll learn it really well. So that yeah. was a really a, a big chapter in my, in my life really to understand how important learning is and, and when it's done properly, you know, what difference it can make to your life. Cause it really gave me a foundation there. You know? So after that, of course, you uh, two and a half years of an apprentice, then you, you get uh, promoted and you're then leading teams at a young age and you're leading people that are a lot older than you, a lot more experienced for you. And yeah. you're traveling around the world. And I was really fortunate to 
being like a quick response unit. So we're on four hour standby to go anywhere in the world. So we trained for that. So, you know, we trained, uh, you know, probably about 70% of my time, you know, the sort of nine years I spent in the army, 70% time was spent training and developing and, you know, 30% operational. Yeah. And, you know, that does vary from, from person to person, but I thought, yeah, that was quite interesting isn't it? in terms of workload, you know, that we saw training as part of our work and, and getting it right. And, and yeah. getting to that elite level, which was fantastic. And, you know, travel the world. Um, I saw, you know, what leadership really looks like under you know, hostile conditions, uh, what good leadership and bad leadership looks like. I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and that really started to inspire me really. And, and I got to a point in my career, I was still young enough. I thought, you know, well, yeah, I still don't know what this corporate world's all about. And, and my dad worked for Shell all his life and um, I, I knew what Shell was all about, but I didn't know what, what working in that environment was like. So I decided to to move on and, and join DuPont. And, and again, that was a, at the time was a fantastic move because yeah, they had a six month induction program, which was great, which really developed you. Uh, you had to work in each dif- different department of the business and you had to learn a job properly before they, they let you out there on, in the field, if you like. And, and that was great. And I really enjoyed that. And yeah, after about seven or eight years of doing that, I was, I was due to, to move to a different location, which I didn't really want to do. I would think about having a family and stuff like that. So I thought, what do I, what do I really want to do? Uh, and I went back to that military yeah, piece around yeah, that, that human potential piece around when you develop people and you help them to use their skills and their strengths. Um, mm-hmm. It's amazing what you can achieve. So I thought, yeah, why, don't, why don't I start a business around that? And I had yeah. no idea how to do that. So I, I left DuPont. I had a year of sort of thinking about things and doing a bit of freelance work. And then, yeah, we started the business and that was you know, 27 years ago now. Uh, so it's, it seems uh, like yesterday in some respects and it probably it seems does. like a lot longer in others, is it? Well, it's interesting, yeah, we, we were talking before the, the podcast started about, you know, results and performance. And uh, one of the things was really interesting for me, a big learning lesson is I had no idea how to start a business, you know. Yeah. You go from the big corporate world, don't you? And it's like... I've got to do marketing now. I've got to do sales. I've got to do the <laughs> delivery. I've got to do project management. I've got to do the accounting. Uh, how do I do all that sort of thing and fill all that in? So that was a big learning lesson. But one of the things I did, um, which was a mistake actually in, in hindsight, was I said to myself, uh, it wasn't written down anywhere, but subconsciously I said to myself, if I can earn as much money as I did in DuPont in the first year of my business, I'll be happy. Mm. Uh, and what was really interesting is to the penny, I did. Wow, <laughs> and I thought that was stupid. I should have said, "I want to double. I want to double what I'm going to earn." <laughs> and maybe I would if have got saying it's more. that powerful. Yeah, I want to earn a million, yeah. two million. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow that out. Yeah, I'm gonna double my my salary <laughs> added to and, and yeah, might not have got there, but I probably would have done more than I did. And I thought, you know, that's really interesting. You've got to be really careful about the goals you set. And uh, yeah. I was always, I always remember going to, we were doing some stuff for uh, a bank, uh, financial uh, clients uh, years and years ago. And Will Carling was um, a guest speaker. Yeah. And uh, he talked about how, you know, the, the mistake, uh, you know, they, they made really was, was to, you know, to, to set the wrong goals, really. Um, mm. They didn't, they didn't really set a goal, which was about winning the World Cup. Yeah, they, mm. they didn't set that and, and it was an error. Uh, and yeah, I think you've got to be really careful, aren't you, around what you set? Uh, well, I, I think it's massive. I think, you know, in, in organisations where they get it wrong and where they get it right again, is yeah. that, that that ultimate goal, how does that actually translate down the chain? You know, yeah. and when, when I'm on the front line talking to customers, how do my goals actually yeah. feed into that big goal? Uh, yeah. And that's where I see that, and particularly, again, somewhere close to my heart in terms of L&D. Yeah. 
you get very siloed and isolated goals just about your own work that you might well achieve, but Definitely. it just isn't very clear at all how it actually yeah. ties in. Absolutely, you certainly yeah, that lack of clarity and a lack of joining the dots is something we yeah we talk about. We mm. both talk about, don't we? In, in uh, leadership development, yeah, the importance of doing that. And I guess you know your question there about how did I get into that. So so I guess to me is that I suddenly realised that there's so many organisations out there that are overmanaged and underled. Mm. Yeah, and you know, don't get me wrong, you need great managers. You know, I'm not saying you don't need management. I think. I think often the pendulum swings, don't you? And, and you get this latest fad that says it's all about leadership now. Well, it is about leadership, but it's also about management. You still need you still need people to deliver stuff, don't you? And, and get the Absolutely. best out of people and that stuff. So you've you got to have that balance right. And, and I, I felt the balance was too far uh, into that management, you know, the bureaucracy, mm -hmm. top-down leadership, the hierarchy, silo mentality, um, all those sort of things. And I think yeah, a lot of that, you know, is comes from really how we're, we're taught at school, you know, and, I can certainly remember that, you know, if I'm in a classroom and the teacher asked me a question, I'd, if I knew the answer, I'd put my hand up and, I, and, and the teacher would tell me whether I'm right or wrong. And I often ask groups, I said to you, yeah, what, what would happen if you're back at school and the teacher asked you a question and you turn around to your classmates and had a conversation and collaborated with them around the answer? The teacher probably, certainly if you went to school <laughs> I went to, would probably tell you off, wouldn't they, for cheating? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, wow, that's fascinating. Isn't it? So, you know, a young age, a lot of us, I know it's changing now and, and uh, you know, bringing it forward. And I guess, obviously, you know, we're talking today, aren't we, in, in the, uh, another lockdown, aren't we? Lockdown three, where you know, my, my niece just said that her teacher has just, just been to her house and dropped off three computers, three laptops for wow. the kids. You know, which is yeah, completely different world, isn't it? Oh, completely and, different world. Uh, I, I popped to my son's primary school yesterday because they've they've uh, created some packs for them. Yeah, um, it's just yeah. a little folder of paper yeah. and pens yeah. and scissors and glue all, all and that, all that sort yeah. of stuff. All like the lesson that. plans, all that stuff. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I think the, a lot of it, and I've asked this around the world, really, there's only one country actually that doesn't happen, which is Finland, which is interesting. And ironically, they have the best education system in the world, don't they? But everyone says that they were taught at school that teamwork is cheating. Hmm. Yeah, you know, that you've got a yeah. It's all about you, uh, and I think you know in work and certainly say we need we need people who can collaborate. And the sad thing is, a lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah, you know, they see collaboration as getting some wild technology or whatever. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've really you've really made or, me think about yeah. that there because I think you know so many times at high school I was just watching a teacher chalk yeah. loads of stuff up on a board at the front of the class. Yeah. which I then was just writing down in my book in the class, yeah, yeah, which I yeah. then went home and read and tried yeah. to dump onto an exam paper at the end of the year. Yeah, try uh, to remember it. I mean, that, that's how exactly. I got through my O-levels. In my day, it was O-levels, but I just had a good memory. And I thought, mm -hmm. right, I've got my physics exam tomorrow. So if I memorise it, you know, repeat it, you know, yeah. and then, then you know, got some good grades. But so I think, I think that's one thing. The other thing which is interesting as well is that, you know, certainly at secondary school, we, we get taught, don't we, by subject matter experts mm. and, you know, in different classrooms around the school. I think we mirror that in our organisations. So, mm -hmm. you know, we create these silos, don't we, where you have subject matter experts who are, are leading them. And yeah. the problem with that, of course, is, is they think they know all the answers, which they probably did years ago. But we're now in a different world, aren't we, where, you know, it's a lot foggier, isn't it? Where, mm. you know, the pace of change has, has outstripped our ability to keep up with it. So it's not possible for leaders to have all the knowledge anymore. And there's probably people in different departments who probably know more about your problem and the solution than you do. And, and we just don't do that. We don't, we, we set up individual plans. We set up uh, mm. individual, you know, if it's a problem in marketing, marketing solve it. If it's a problem in the finance, finance solve it. And, and we don't actually do collaboration effectively. So one of the things I'm passionate about is trying to, really educate leadership senior leadership teams around 
you know, what does leadership really look like in today's world? You know, they, you know leadership is contextual. You know, if, if mm. I take some of the amazing leaders that I've seen in the military and put them in a corporation, they might, they might survive, but they mm. might not because they've got different attributes and different skill sets, you know, and uh, if they can adapt, they'll probably do really well. So, so I think that's really, you know, what I'm passionate about is, is really having that dialogue and discussion with, with leaders and saying, well, you know, if the context has changed, then maybe we need to change. You know, I know you're passionate about football, aren't you? And yeah. Particularly Liverpool, is that right? You know, you imagine if we sent out we sent out the the Liverpool football team for the next uh, match with um, the same boots they had on in you know, the 1966 World Cup. They probably yeah. wouldn't do very well, would they? All the ball. <laughs> <laughs> All those long shorts or whatever. Yeah, maybe yeah. they do better. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, and the reason I mentioned that because I always remember it. Uh, I can't remember whether comic actually. I used to read a comic, and there was a, a story, a guy called Billy's Boots, and it was Mel Chester United, <laughs> wasn't it? I think it was. I think remember uh, that for some reason. Too. You remember that, yeah? <laughs> and, and he and he always he used to be like about ten nil at half time, and then he put his famous boots on, and then it'd be like you know, eleven ten by the end of the match. <laughs> I think you know, I used to love that. But so so, so I, I guess that's why I do what I do really because I think you know we can really support organizations i know you do as well around getting them to think differently um, mm. but then to you know decode you know what they're doing and i think half the challenge i have really is to get organizations to slow down you know mm. and, yeah I'm, I'm really passionate about motor racing i i, I do uh, uh racing historic uh, racing i've got a couple of cars that i race and you know, i learned from my my dad and my uncle my dad used to race bikes and my uncle used to race cars so at a young age i learned from them around the importance of knowing when to go fast and knowing when to go slow because yeah. every time they lost a race was because they're going too fast. I know you've got that, you've got that in the book, haven't you somewhere? Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and to that ability to know when to slow down and, you know, like you, know, I work with a lot of L and D teams and, you know, I, I get them initially. You know, one, of the, one of the questions I always ask L and D teams initially, I say to them before we start the, the session, mm -hmm. just on an individual on a piece of paper. So go back to the old school. Yeah. No cheating yeah. back to the old school. On a, on a piece of paper, write down the organizational strategy. And it's very rare yeah. that they can do that. So uh, the next question is, how do you know what you should be doing if you don't know what the organizational strategy is? And, and I think, you know, if you're, if you're in L&D, you, know, you need to know the strategy almost as well as, if not better, than, than the senior team. And you need to know the rationale behind it. Mm. You know, why, why are we doing what we're doing? Yeah, where are we now? Where do we need to get to? What are the big things that we're working on? Now, how does what we do drive that and link into it? Because L&D links into all of it. Yeah, because one of the things I always talk about in terms of change is you know, a lot of people, they're pretty good at creating a, you know, the burning platform, aren't they, or whatever, or the vision or whatever, um, but they don't build the capability to move from A to B. You know, what skills and you know, what knowledge, what mindsets do we need to, mm. to be able to get to operate in this new world? You know, And I, I always... Um, we can probably talk about football and sport a lot, aren't we, today, Robert? <laughs> it's going to be, yeah. I can always remember the, the German uh, football team when they won the World Cup is, yeah, they, they had a four-year strategy, didn't they, where mm. at the end of, I can't remember what year it was now, but at the end of the World Cup where they didn't do very well, they they worked out what would win the World Cup in in four years' time, and they believed it was all about the, uh, I can't remember what they call it, one-touch football. What's it mm -hmm. called? There's a special name for it, anyway, but basically one-touch football. And... Obviously, what they realized was that if in order to in order to play one touch football at that elite level, they're not fit enough at the moment. Because mm. you know, you've got to be able to receive the ball, haven't you? Collect it and pass it in one touch. 
which means the players have to run around a lot. Mm. And they weren't fit enough. And I remember the, the story is that they went to uh, every team in Germany at the time and said, who's the fittest team in Germany at the moment? And it was the field hockey team, apparently. Right. So they went to the field hockey team and they said, right, what do you do to get your, your players really fit? And they said this. They said, okay, well, we're going to do that. So they took that idea and then they put a four-year plan together to get themselves fit enough in order to be able to play one to And they won the World Cup. There you go. Yeah. Somebody get that story. over to England then. So we to, yeah. to, to see the German hockey clubs. Uh, well, I, I think in England, it's more about, is it mount mindset? We've probably got some of the best players in the world, but you know, can they play together as a team? Yeah. Again, they're on Exactly we? that. And we rely on those players and just let them go. And, you know, the stories that have come out certainly around yeah. that kind of golden generation of the early 2000s, uh, how siloed it was really feeds into what you were you were saying yeah. earlier on about how teams really do split yeah. up. I mean, go, going back into into your book, um, based on everything you said there, you you start off the book saying, "Let's start a leadership revolution." Yeah, definitely. What What do you mean mean by that revolution? What What needs to happen in your eyes? Well, I think I think for many years we've faffed around, haven't we, by trying to tweak things. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, think you know, evolution is not going to cut it. We need to have a revolution, and we need to say, look actually we need to really start to have some good dialogue around what leadership looks like in the future and and i think you know i know the crisis is a terrible thing and the covid and, and people dying is horrible and it's it's a terrible thing looking you know for the good in that is it has suddenly woken up a lot of organizations and mm. they said you know what we do need to change now we we can't lead in in the same way as we did before you know we have a lot more people working from home so you know in the past, there was too much micromanagement, wasn't there? Yeah, that people used to, you know, be in the same room. And it's interesting, actually. We did some work with a work planner a while ago, and they they do design the architectural design of layouts, and it's really fascinating how I hadn't realised, but a lot of work office environments is you have all the workers in the middle of the room, and the managers sit around the outside of the room, mm. looking in. And I'm thinking, no, oh, that it just reminds me of the, you know, the, the, we watched Scrooge over Christmas, you know, the, where he's there with it at the front of the higher desk yeah. looking over all the workers. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my God, it's still the same, you know, 2020, and it's still the same. I guess it's changed now, and it's because a lot of people working from home, but a lot of leaders or managers, I should say, have, have, have been used to leading by being able to see what people are doing and, and they can, you know, have all these update meetings, all this rubbish that goes on and micromanagement yeah. stuff goes on. But now they've got to they've got to trust the workers, haven't they, to to get on with it? And and I find it really sad when I hear, you know, consultancies trying to sell software mm. that checks up on people about what they're doing, and they're thinking, oh my god, does it really matter what yeah. hours they work? You know, isn't it about what they get as an outcome? Um, well, that's it. I mean, you know, trying to trying to find trying to trap people and find the things that they're not doing right, yeah, yeah. rather than the yeah. rather than actually rewarding yeah. what they are yeah. doing, yeah. Yeah, you didn't you didn't log on till five past nine, and uh, and then your keyboard was wasn't used for ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, thinking, yeah, I, my kids needed a bit of help, or yeah, I need to go for a coffee or whatever. So, yeah. so what? Does it really matter? So, this whole loosening off of of management, I think, is really important. And what that means is we you know, we need to have better skills, don't we? Which is mm. where LD comes in. So, yeah, we need to have leaders and managers who can set direction can really empower people and give them the autonomy but then really support them and, and look at their role is not to micromanage them you know their role is to enable them to be able to do their jobs effectively mm. uh, and you don't do that yeah you know, i often challenge senior leadership teams and i said so yeah are you a leadership team or are you an update team 
Yeah. Like, what, do you, what do you mean? They all get up tea and their egos are bruised and stuff like that. <laughs> and when we, when we get to the end of the dialogue, of course, is what they realize is they're an update team because yeah. any time they get together is they sit around the boardroom table and they do updates for each department. Yeah. And I've seen it in some in different slice. teams where you know, one department's getting a bit of a hammering because they've got some red dots on the scorecard and uh, everyone else is sat back, you know, quite happy and smiling. Mm. So they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll go away and I'll sort that out. So they go away and sort it out. And the next board meeting or senior leadership team meeting they have, they're sat there, you know, really, really good because all their, all their dots are green. Yeah. But all they've done is move the problem for a different department. Yeah. And I've seen that time and time again. And it's very rare. Even inside departments, I see yeah. that as well. Yeah, the, yeah. The metrics within one department seem to yeah. fight against each other. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen well, it obviously that. with my kind of yeah. background. I've, I've seen yeah. it in call centers where we kind of go, right, look, we're going to put an emphasis on quality in one aspect of it and then yeah. uh, an, an aspect on the time it takes to resolve these calls in another. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes if we actually put something in place that, that it's going to help the quality of this, it might actually take longer, certainly at the start, to get used yeah. to it and implement it and have those yeah. conversations. Yeah, but then yeah. we see that dips and we go, oh, we're taking too long on the calls now. Uh, and that's what we uh, focus on. Well, what about uh, the great piece of work that's improved the quality uh, of the call? Can we celebrate the customer, that? The most important thing is to solve the problem for the customer, isn't it? Which yeah. um, I know First Direct are, are really good at that, aren't they? And they've got some really good measures in place. I, I remember working very similar to yourself there in, in a call center where I think, I can't remember the exact time now, but I think they were measured on, I can't remember whether it's two minutes or finished. Let's say it was four minutes. They had a four-minute window to solve the customer problem. And it was a technical support team. Mm -hmm. um, so the customers were buying quite expensive equipment. So the customer would ring up and um, they bought the equipment, they're trying to install it, it's not working. So they ring up the tech support people uh, and it's the classic of, you know, push button one, push button two. So you're, you're pretty upset before you get to a human being anyway, because yep. you're frustrated. So you get there and um, you then got, you got four minutes to, um, to actually solve the problem. I think it might have been less than that anyway, but anyway, let's use four minutes, for example. And I said to the uh, the call center director, I said, um, do you, can you lock that? Do you know how long the calls are and when they drop out? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, so I've not seen that data yet, but I'm going to get, get make a, a guess that most of your calls are about three minutes, 58, three minutes, 59. You know, what do you mean? And I said, let's have a look. And he went in there and sure enough, you know, a big spike at that. Yeah. And uh, what was happening, of course, is that, the, the uh, support people, the, the agents were measured on that. And if they went over four minutes, they got told off. So what would happen is imagine you, you fought your way through as a customer, mm. you get to the get to the human being, they start to find out what the problem is, they start to, and they're looking at their clock going, oh my God, and they're just clicking off. Yeah. Clicking off at three minutes, 59. Yeah. So then, then, then what happens is that you've got to then try and get through and you get through to another person and go through the same process again because they've only got four minutes to do it. And they're thinking, oh my God. So we, in the end, we moved, removed it. And guess what? The net promoter score went up. Yeah. Bizarrely. Well, you really tie <laughs> something into that, into that same section of the book you've got there in, in the, when it comes to the why. You said, yeah. we need to change the way we lead and what gets in the way. Mm. Now that, that for me is a great example. I talk a lot about symptoms yeah. of problems versus the actual problems. Yeah, and absolutely. It, you just awoke a memory in mind that I think it was, I can't remember where it was, it might've been Aviva that was on the phone to you once many years ago. Um, and uh, I was in a queue, as you've just stated there, and it said yeah. like, you actually were allowed or able to select the type of hold music 
really listen to. So like press one for current chart music, press <laughs> classical, something like that. And my first reaction was, oh, that's pretty good. And then yeah. as I sort of like waited, and obviously you get a little bit yeah. angrier the longer you wait, you kind of go, how bad is it that yeah. they've invested to solve yeah. this symptom of a problem so heavily yeah. instead of actually just solving the problem that people are waiting in the queue? Yeah, and created another problem. Yeah, it's a bit like uh, I remember working in a financial sector once where they had a, a problem between the front office and back office. It wasn't working, yeah. so they put a middle office in. <laughs> so what you now had a problem between the front office, the middle office, <laughs> and uh, the middle office and the back office, and it made it worse, you know. And it, it, you do see that, and I think that's that links back to what we were saying before about slowing down uh, to speed mm. up. And I think that's what I learned from my my parents and my, my dad's and my uncle was that. Uh, You've got, to, you've got to have time to think and reflect, you know, and I see so many poor decisions being made and mm. um, a lot of that's down to poor teamwork, of course, and lack of trust and things like that. But a lot of it's down to the fact that we're just working at pace, you know. Mm. I mean, you've probably seen this as well in your L&D uh, life around, if, I, if I'm working with an L&D team, so I ask them about what the, what the organizational strategy is. We have a bit of a laugh and joke about it. A lot of people don't know what strategy is anyway. So mm. we have a debate about what strategy really is. And for me, it's about how to get it from A to B. It's mm. as simple as that. Uh, there's, there's a story behind that, of course, around your purpose and your your vision and your values and all that sort of stuff. But the strategy piece is around, you know, what do we need to do? You know, we're here now and, and we want to get to here. How do we get there? And that's the strategy piece. Yeah. And I think for me, um, I then asked the, you know, the, the uh, L&D teams to put down all the things they're working on at the moment. And I say, okay, well, now you've done that individually, now let's look at that collectively. And they, they go to a massive, like you imagine, can't you, the size of the whiteboard, <laughs> yeah. you know, a 10-meter whiteboard sort of thing. And um, often I'll be looking at it and thinking, okay, yeah, that's a pretty good five-year plan, <laughs> jokingly. <laughs> and they go, no, that's that's this year. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking back and thinking, oh, my God, you know. And, and what what a lot of um, L&T teams, I, I think, haven't, you know, some have, of course, some haven't, but... I find it quite ironic going back to that the whole root cause is, you know, for me, L&D, it's a project orientated environment. Mm. You know, you are finding needs. Um, you are, you know, that, that trusted advisor, aren't you, in the organization? You're there challenging the senior teams, challenging managers, finding out what the needs are. Not the wants, because, you know, often I've, I've had requests where we want a project management course, Graham, and, and you go in to talk to the people and actually they've been project managing for 25 years. They're now yeah. to pri the problem they've got is they can't influence stakeholders. So what they need is an influencing course because it's so complicated in their business to walk through treacle to get stuff done. Yeah. Um, so so the difference between a, you know, a need and a want is is really important to understand. And, you know, we, we then need to sort of turn that that need, don't we, that problem into into a project, don't we? Yeah. And, and I, I often, yeah, I know when I've worked with LNT teams and we've helped them to see their world as a project or in oriented environment and we create a framework for them to, to work through, yeah. suddenly it all makes sense. Uh, and, and often you'll see, you know, people go, well, why are we doing that project? Because that project is actually, you know, is actually counterproductive to that project over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually yeah, creating tension. Um, so once you get that mapped out on a page, you can then start to prioritize it effectively. And the challenge I think you know, we need L&D leaders is to be stronger and to have a bigger voice and to be more influential and have more impact and, and, and to know when to say no. Mm. Uh, and unless you can map it out and show people what you're delivering and yeah, how it all you know, often misaligns, then you know, how can you then influence? So I think mm. some... You know, moving away from that, oh, we're doing too much, you know, subjective sort of type feeling to really objective stuff saying, look, okay, there's a risk on this project because we're already doing these five over here. You're now asking to do this. Where's the resource going to come from that? And, and actually, mm. if we're doing 25 different change projects in the business, 
how is that going to impact on the business? We can't do all that yeah. at once, you know, and there's all those sort of type of things. Yeah. Which... You certainly may remember there just the, the couple of things that in, in certainly in the contacts and the background again that I've got that, that always had that reaction on me was requests mm. for things like uh, objection handling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah. every every twelve months the prices would go up, so we need objection handling training. Well, yeah. you know the, the, they've had the skills training. What what do they yeah. actually need? <laughs> oh, well, they need to know the detail. Okay, well that's that's information and knowledge. That's yeah, yeah. where, where yeah. else could that be? Yeah. Um, uh, another one is always um, we need some difficult conversation training. Okay, yeah. have we ever yeah. had some just like really good communication and conversation? Yeah, training? yeah, that's no. so true. Isn't it? Yeah. How so many true. of those difficult conversations could be avoided yeah. if we just knew or removed yeah. the barriers as we were talking about yeah. before to yeah. just great communication? And yeah. I think the most one of the most recent ones probably for me um, is the whole thing about emotional intelligence. Mm. That, and, I, and, and I absolutely am on board with the fact that it needs to be more present in organisations. Mm. What And certainly in leaders, what, what I do stand against slightly is that I've seen leaders who who... I would say in a work environment, don't show very much in terms of emotional intelligence and all mm. the ingredients that go into it. However, I know for a fact that they have more than enough emotional intelligence when it yeah. comes to going home. Yeah. Like the way yeah, they talk absolutely. about the family and the kids and the things they've done <laughs> yeah. at the weekend yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and scenarios they talk through. And I go, yeah. okay, coming back to what you were saying before about what, what gets in the way, Mm. quite often this isn't the problem it's just a mm. symptom so i guess you know you talked about l d leaders there as well so mm. if we think about l d leaders and we think about operational leaders and the way they mm. all kind of work together yeah what's getting in the way if if, if a lot of these things that can be done and they know mm. how to do some of these things what's getting in the way what's what's stopping because i guess in my experience i i see more and more l d people who want this to change Mm-hmm. And I also see lots of new leaders who, who do genuinely have an appetite to lead in a different way. Yeah, yeah. I think a challenge comes. Yeah, I think a challenge is you know, if we were to start a new company today, you know, so for example, we work with uh, Gymshark, for example, and, and you know they had their you know huge success because they're able to start from nothing uh, and and grow the business in, in a new world way. Uh, where the challenge, of course, is if you've got that legacy, haven't you? Where you're working for a big corporate that's been around for years. There's so many processes and no one ever takes processes away, don't they? They just add more stuff, don't they? And yeah. I, I think it, it, it's, don't get me wrong, it's, it is, I, I feel sorry sometimes for L&D um, you know, leaders or any, you know, any leader because it's so difficult to make change happen. Mm. Um, and you can, the only way to do that, of course, I think really is, is to re-educate people. I think, you know, for me, the best influencing you can have is to start to change minds. And yeah. once you start changing mindsets and, help people realize. And I think that's what the pandemic has done, actually. It started to give a lot of leaders a bit of a shock. And, and you've got to start at the top. Um, yeah. You know, we, we often, I'm sure you've had that debate, you know, do we do we work with the team leaders first? You know, because it's easier to get them on board or do we work with the senior team? And I think you've got to do both, haven't you? And, and yeah. unless the, the leadership team are modeling the way, if you like, and, and showing, you know, new leadership behaviors, then it's, it's going to be really tough to make it happen. And yeah. I think the... Yeah, we've got to be very courageous, something as well, because you know we 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 get run by these you know these measures which are wrong, and you know we we're we're either bad or good based on how well we do on these measures, and often yeah. those measures are driving the wrong behaviours, as you mentioned before, yeah. and um, we've got to start to strip that away and start to make things a lot simpler and really think about what's really important. So it is a massive challenge for for M and D leaders, but I think. 
yeah, if you look at performance in elite sport, yeah, they tend to work on three things, don't they? They look at what's the structure we need. So, yeah, the the direction, yeah, the strategy, I guess, if you talk about it from an organization point of view, uh, the the guidelines, the frameworks we use, a bit like I said with LD, yeah, if there's not a project management framework that's consistent across it, which has an ability to adapt yeah. and change, then it's going to be really, we haven't got that structure in place. So we haven't got the clarity. So I guess the first bit is making sure we've got the right structure in place for the new world. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of that is around removing process, moving procedures, trusting people. You know, I often think about it. I, I share an example where we were, I was out with a client who uh, uh, is a, a regional director responsible for, and I get this right now, I think it's responsible for something like about 38 million pounds worth of revenue uh, per year for the business. Um, and so we're out for dinner and know him really well. And we're, we're chatting about the stuff we've been doing and stuff like that. And I know he likes the steak, so we're having steak and, yeah. and there was onion rings. And I know he likes onion rings. And I uh, said, said, you're not having onion rings. He said, no, no, no. He said, why not? I thought you liked onion rings. And I said, um, we've got a new policy in place. I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, we're only allowed... What I don't know, it was twenty three pounds or whatever for our evening meals now, <laughs> and I said if I go if I have onion rings it's going to take me over and it'd be a nightmare and my expenses will be rejected and it's a yeah it's just not worth the hassle, and I, I sat I, I sat back and I thought about that thinking oh my god so we you know we trust them to deliver all those millions every year but we don't trust them to <laughs> you know have a meal you know and I'm thinking yeah. oh my god you know what what has life come to you know where we can't trust people. Okay, you go over one meal, but then you reduce it down the next meal, don't you? And, and it all works out in the end. And so I think that whole that whole you know structure piece is really important. I think when the, the danger I said when I say structure is, is people go too they make it too tight. Yeah. So I think I think that frameworks, guidelines. Um, I know in the past we've talked about competency frameworks, and, yeah. and for me it's more about having a set of leadership principles and a competency framework, or uh, a set of guidelines, or four or five things that are really important that we need to focus on at a top level, and then allow people to build a toolkit behind that. I think it's really important. So that's the first thing. The second thing then is and actually is, just before you just before you go yeah. on there, it's something you said yesterday that really uh, I really liked. We had a quick catch up yesterday before this, obviously, and you talked about when we talked about competency frameworks. Instead of being so preoccupied in trying to find out what the current behaviours and the, and yeah. the current skill sets and skill levels are and yeah. benchmarking, yeah. Yeah. why not just all work towards the new standard or the new yeah. goal, yeah. Or the new yeah. vision? Yeah. And it really, it really just sang to me that because you know people yeah. will get that bogged down in finding yeah. out what's wrong. Oh, Sometimes if you change yeah. direction, it doesn't matter what was yeah. was not working because yeah. you've got the new thing. Yeah, you can, you, yeah I argue. Yeah. I mean, how many consultancies make lots of money on measuring all the old stuff when we don't need to do that at all? We just need yeah. to think about what do we need in the future? Uh, and yeah, how many millions will be saved doing that? Yeah. Billions probably worldwide. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's just focus on the future. Uh, and it's a bit like, um, well, yeah, one of the things, uh, I did some work in academia for a little while, but I got frustrated because... You know, a lot of it's around you know case studies and and what other leaders did in the past and and that's the, I think that's quite dangerous these days because my my view is that we need to be thinking about what we do we need to do to be successful in the future. Okay, so IKEA did this in 1984, might be relevant, but might might not be anymore. You know, yeah, and IKEA is a great business and all that sort of stuff. So I think you know I think I get the idea about academia about the case study mentality around getting you to think in in, in that way, mm. but I think you know we 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 start to look if we, you know, we certainly can learn from the past, but I think particularly with the pace of change, you know, moving so fast, this has not happened before, is it? You know, what, where yeah. we are now, right now in the, in the middle of this pandemic has not happened before yeah. for, for a lot of organizations. So yeah. Okay. We've had crises before, but 
it's going to radically change the way and we need to start thinking now don't we about what we need to do in the future and i think yeah. we just need to get rid of all the things that are, are getting in the way often when i'm working with teams you know we we get them to align their business plans with you know, with the strategy and all that sort of stuff but one of the, the the exercise we do which is a big one is what's going to get in the way what are the yeah. blockers what are the barriers and is everything that you're doing aligned? You have you got the right measures in place? Uh, yeah, because I often think about you when you think about systems thinking. It is often you know complex stuff, and it well, actually is quite simple for me. Is you know if you if you know what your purpose is, you know what your goals are, you know what your values are, then everything should mm. flow from that. Yeah, you know the activities, the objectives, the measures, mm. the the values, the principles should all align to drive the right activity and the right mm. behavior. And and if if people are doing the right things and behaving the right way, then you know you've got the right system in place. And- yeah, and, and those things could be very individual, or they could be a team, or they could be a department. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember I, was, I worked with the, with the coach um, a couple of years ago, and they were talking about confidence quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and they had a room of people, and they were talking about how confident people felt. Um, mm. And then they asked a really good question, which was, for you, what is the opposite of confidence? Mm. Because so often I see coaches online and adverts coming through on LinkedIn or whatever it might be to kind of go, I can help you build your confidence. Yeah, yeah. And they said, sometimes it's not about that. Sometimes it's about getting whatever is in the way of that confidence. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly confidence can then have the room to grow naturally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was interesting that, that you must have been a room of about 20 people and every single person yeah. had a different answer. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, with that L&D teams, or what, what's getting in the way of this or that, or yeah. leaders, the same question. The, yeah. Those answers could be very generic and corporate looking. Yeah. It could also be very individual at times. It's a massive point there you make uh, about, you know, if I link back to that, what I was talking about, about the three things performance, you know, performance triangle, they call it. So you've got the structure stuff, which gives you clarity. Mm. Second bit is a skill set. You know, the skill sets you need to deliver. So if you're playing football, you obviously need to kick a ball, yeah. <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Um, and then the final bit is mindset. And, mm. and often that's where a lot of the barriers aren't in the mindset stuff, you know, and, and uh, the beliefs that we've been programming along stage that, you know, that's certainly the military, I realized that you're thinking, oh, there's no way I can do that. But with the right support, it's amazing what you can do when you have to. So yeah. I think that, that bit around, you know, how do you develop confidence? That's something that we teach leaders to do is to, show them how they can work with individuals to help them to build their confidence and at the same time as you say remove the barriers that are stopping them from being confident but it goes to i think it goes a little bit deeper than that because i often talk about you know you can't lead anyone unless you can lead yourself first yeah so when we're when we're we're working with leaders you know part part of what we do is to help them understand why we need to change Mm. so we talk about the environment the context all that sort of stuff we talked about today then we talk about you know what does great leadership look like in today's view yeah in, in terms of our view not saying you have to do that but get them to think about it and say to them yeah what what does great leadership look like for you yeah and then the next bit then is in terms of you know making that happen once they understand what what great leadership looks like in today's world is we've got to turn that into ways of working and in, into habits yeah uh, and the way we do that i've got a concept called the leadership flywheel which basically starts so once you know what what, what leadership looks like you've got to start with yourself so you can't lead other people unless you can lead yourself first so i think it starts with you yeah. and i think you know you mentioned there about emotional intelligence and i see a lot of leadership uh, consultancies where they focus on one thing so we teach emotional intelligence or you know we we, we teach commercial leadership or whatever and i think it doesn't work like that does it you know no. it all links together and, and we have to look at the wide aspect of it and um 
So, so we talk about that. And, and I, the, the easiest way I describe you know, leading self is that unless you understand who you really are, mm. then it's really difficult to lead. So you've got to know what your strengths are. And, and I find you know, the old world of training people is to find out what they can't do and send them on, on a training course on something they're not going to be very good at anyway. Where my view is find out what they're really good at and then send them on training courses on things they're really good at. Mm. Yeah, and that, that's so important. Yeah, you, you don't send your star striker in football on a goalkeeping course, do you? No. <laughs> you, you send them a striking course. Yeah, and, and I think that's where we missed it. Yeah, we're trying to, yeah, we spend our time trying to find, you know, what people can't do mm. and develop skills where, you know, if they need those skills and they're not going to be good at it, are they in the right role? Yeah, yeah and exactly. you know, one of the things I, I found really hard from an issue point of view is, is when you get someone who you've done everything you can and you know you need to get them out of the business. And uh, I call it sharing it with the, sharing them with the competition. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but, but I had a mentor a while ago and said to me, so you've got, you got to change your mindset around it. You know, I know that you find it really hard to do that and, and because you feel like I feel like I failed. Um, yeah. But actually, you know, what I need to do and my mindset is now is that if you've done everything you can with that person, then clearly they're in the wrong role. Yeah. So ethically, as a leader, you need to find the role that suits them. Yeah. Yeah, and it might be in your business or it might be out of the business. And I think that's the way I always looked at it. And if yeah. I can help them find another job in somewhere else where they can you know, thrive and play to position, then that's yeah. got to be a good thing. And I think well, sometimes- purpose is such a big thing. Yeah. Purpose. So yeah. you used your football analogy before around, and strengths and different positions. Mm-hmm. Yes, you've got to have the right position for that person. But if they don't have an interest in that sport, yeah. Before absolutely. you actually get the the actual ability to be able to play yeah. it, yeah, then yeah. It, it's never going to yeah. come together for those people. Absolutely, because I think that's a, that, that's the next sort of element I look at in terms of leading self is that you understand who you are, you understand your your, your DNA, your your, um, your your drivers, your values, all that sort of good stuff. You you know using psychometrics, all that stuff to understand you know, what what you're about and stuff like yeah. that, your personality and behavioural stuff. But then you've got to work out exactly what you said there, which is, you know, the, the why bit, which yeah. is, you know, you imagine that the circle in the middle is who you are. The next round it is the why bit. And I know Simon Sinek talks a lot about start with why, but I think it's about start with who uh, yeah. and then why. The why comes because, you know, you, what you're good at often links to your passion and purpose anyway. And if, mm. you, can, if you can find something that you're passionate about that you're good at, that's gonna you're gonna fly then you, yeah. you're gonna be really good at it and you know so many people doing jobs they don't like and thinking why would you do that yeah i can remember it was a friend a friend of my, my mum's actually um and we're talking now when i was a teenager uh mm. probably before i was doing my a levels and and he was kind of saying what are you thinking of doing what you what sort of subjects you're going to be doing what sort of career after and you know i was one of the kind of the older generation i thought uh-oh I'm yeah. going to have to have an answer here. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise it's going to be, you need to get yourself focused and why don't yeah. you know this? Or you need to think yeah. of career yeah. and all that. And what he said next really surprised me. And it's always stuck with me. And he said, cause I said, I don't really know yet. And, um, I haven't really decided what direction or what it is that I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. And he just said, well, that's no problem. Just keep doing what you enjoy. And hopefully you'll end up enjoying yeah. what you do yeah yeah and it always yeah. stuck with me i mean make your own comments around where the, where, this is where i end <laughs> up <laughs> well you're, you're pretty natural at what you do aren't you which i think is so important isn't it i think that is so true and yeah i think i've had three different careers and, and i've actually you know i create a business now the 
that enables me to live a wonderful life. But but their business is created based on my strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And what I do naturally. The challenge, of course, is is it's really hard to know what your strengths are because for you they're really easy. Yeah. And now at times I get you know, a, a really good coach coming to me and going, Grandma, I love what you do. I want to become a trainer. I'm thinking, you're an amazing coach. Why do you want to become a trainer? You know? Yeah. And you might not be, yeah, I don't know, it might be, but there might not be a good trainer. So so it's that sort of that sort of self-awareness, isn't it, which I think is really important. And you know, it, it doesn't stop. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm constantly finding, you know, I'm 58 now, I'm constantly finding out new things about myself and things that, that I used to be able to do, I can't do anymore, that sort of stuff. But, uh, <laughs> but certainly, um, you know, new stuff, you know, new mindsets, you know, I've been reflecting over Christmas about, you know, how I responded to the, the crisis this year, what have I yeah. learned from that? You know, what, what's that tell me about myself? What can I build on? Um, you know, have I you know, utilized my strength? You know, what went well, didn't go so well, all that sort of usual great stuff to th- think and reflect on. But once you once you worked out you know, who you are, why you do what you do, your purpose and passion, then you can start to work out, well, okay, well, based on that, what, what should I do? Yeah. And that's when you work out, you know, the, the, I call it my leadership philosophy or my leadership manifesto. Yeah, for me in leadership, there's 10 things I need to do to be successful. And the final bit then is how do I, how do I then sort of make that happen? And that's really where you build your, your tool set, you know, your, your tools and techniques, to, you know, your positive thinking, your resiliency, the, the teaching, the storytelling, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, the tools you need, all the different mm-hmm. collaboration tools you build. And you build this uh, toolkit that you can use that allows you to craft solutions to the situation. And I think, yeah, that's another mistake I see a lot of leaders making. Yeah, they take what worked in one business and try and apply it in the new business. And yeah. you see that, don't you, from, from L&D uh, leaders who they worked in one business and did this and it works. So, okay, well, I'm going to do that again in this new business. And you can't do that, can you? Because no. yeah, it might work or it might not because you've got to look at the situation, look at the context and then craft craft a solution in, in a collaborative way to, yeah. to get the results you want, you know, in order to get the results, you know, what, what, what do we need to do? And I think every situation is different. So that, so that ability to craft solutions is really important. And if you haven't got a, a wide enough toolkit, then you're in trouble. And so one a, of the things, one of the things in you, in the toolkit, actually, you talked about, well, trust, you've talked about yeah. trust quite a few times already today. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you've obviously got one of the tools in there is around how you make that up. And you talk about empathy, reliability, alignment, results, consistency, and brand. And, yeah. and that's what it contributes into being a, a trusted mm-hmm. leader. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what is it about trust? Why, why do you, why do you place so much emphasis on that? I think, you know, certainly from my military background where you go into a, a situation where you're relying on people for your life, then yeah, if I don't trust them, I'm in trouble. Yeah, if, if I'm in a combat situation, I'm worried about what they're doing behind me, then I'm, I'm not focusing on what I should do. So I think, you know, people can't perform at the highest level unless you can trust them. So for me, you know, one of my leadership philosophies is, you know, to develop people, build their confidence, get the skill level, make sure they've got the right mindsets, make sure they've got clarity around the structures and processes, and then almost like get out of the way uh, and trust them. So, yeah, yeah, I'm a firm believer in, in, you know, when you, when you get to a point where, you know, trust is two ways, isn't it? You know, you've got to, you've got to behave in a certain way. So I trust you. Um, and because it is about behavior, isn't it? It's about the yeah. choices you make and yeah, it takes a long time to, um, to build trust, but it, you know, microseconds to lose it, doesn't it? In terms of our behavior yeah. uh, and it's an ongoing, I think, um, what's the book? Um, is it Stephen Covey, uh, the son of Stephen Covey 
uh, positive habits. Yeah, I think guy. I've got that sitting yeah, somewhere speed behind trust, me today. <laughs> speed of trust, isn't it, where he talks yeah. about, I think he, he's modeled it and researched it really well, where he says it's a bit like a bank account, isn't it, where you, know, you behave in a certain way and your bank account goes up. I think he calls it credits and debits, isn't it, where if you behave in a certain way, then it reduces. And I think, yeah, we've all said things, haven't we? Or mm. you know, sent emails, or whatever, that's, that's dinted trust. But I think it's something we should work on. Yeah, how many, how many people have got KPIs? Not that I like KPIs anyway, but how many people are measured on trust or mm. measured on confidence? And, and yeah, for me, is yeah, we, we get so het up on results that we forget, yeah, results come from what you do. Yeah. You know, I, I, can't, I can't control the scoreboard but I can control my own performance. And, yeah. you know, and they talk a lot then in elite, elite teams around focus on the controllables. What are you in control of? And what are you in control of your performance? You know, if, I'm, if I'm running 100 meters in, in the final Olympics to win the gold medal, okay, my goal is the gold medal. But when I'm at the start, I'm not thinking about a gold medal. Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking about how do I get out of the blocks the quickest? Yeah, I'm thinking about my yeah. technique and mindset stuff. And so I think I think that that bit is, is really, really important to, to get right. And so many people, when I talk about, you know, measures in organizations, they're misaligned, you know, mm. how many, how many organizations, you know, there's got a value around teamwork or collaboration or, yeah. or whatever, or some words around that effect where there's a statement that says it's on the wall. So it must be important. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we've got to work together sort of stuff. And then you look at the system and they've got individual objectives and they're yeah. rewarded individually. Yeah. Well, how are they going to behave yeah. individually? You know, the system is not... Yeah, the blockers we talked about before and the system is not enabling them to actually be collaborative because I need to look after myself first. And that's human nature, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And- well, you mentioned um, you mentioned Simon Sinek before in the start with Wybook. I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of the airline now, but he talked about, because uh, ordinarily he himself talks about um, targets and bonuses being manipulation. Mm-hmm. So he's not a yeah. fan. Um, but yeah. he said they actually put one in place, which was all around what the customer actually cares about, yeah. which was around airplanes taking off on yeah. time time yeah thing yeah. so that was the that was then the key yeah oh, there's nope. a doorbell <laughs> you want to get that for us we one, of the things that, we? <laughs> one of the podcast nightmares that you're going to have um yeah. but what what it is is that the change that I then made is that it wasn't an individual thing of what do i need to do to hit my bonus to get my result yeah it was okay what do i need to do to enable that end outcome that the customers yeah. care about and yeah. how can i help you yeah. achieve that too yeah, yeah. and the yeah. collaborative approach yeah. to getting that end yeah. goal which was something yeah. that they cared about yeah. and, and ultimately as well which was the which was the which is the beautiful part of it for the for the company themselves is that the bonuses that they paid out of that became reality was a, was yeah. a lot less than the fine yeah. if it wasn't yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, it actually absolutely. did it did match into yeah. the commercials as well yeah. i'm not a big fan of uh, bonuses and all that sort of stuff i think it just it, it um it creates bad behavior yeah. and yeah you know, and any organization you see you see great behavior then when the results coming in but then you see the real behavior when the results don't come in uh, and people make really bad decisions based on you know head counts getting rid of departments all that stuff just to hit the bonus and that's yeah. just wrong you know and i think when when you know profit or bonuses i think it's dan ping talks about that doesn't he? in in uh, in the book drive isn't it where he talks about the extraordinary truth of what motivates people and yeah, yeah. was it was it purpose, mastery, and autonomy? Isn't I think it is like, yeah. uh, the, the things. Isn't it? And you know that that's what we can do in it from an LD point of view. You know, we can help them with the mastery. Yeah, you know, we can help them to have that autonomy because you know if if I'm a leader, it goes down to trust. You know, I, I'd be a bit naive if if I didn't understand that my team can operate effectively mm. um, and let them get on with it. 
you know, that's almost like abdication, isn't it, really? Yeah. So and trust, has got, to, trust yeah. has got to grow as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, mean yeah. I think there's a there's a there's a great scene in the the Man of Steel film that was in. I've put I've done a white paper around trust, mm. um, and it was quite an interesting take on the the whole Superman story that mm. it actually there wasn't a lot of trust between Superman and humans because right. because he was an alien. And he didn't right. know if he could trust them, and they didn't know if he, <laughs> right. if, if they could trust yeah. him because he was so powerful. And he was speaking to a priest, um, uh, and uh, just uh, before his enemy was was coming down, and he basically said, "You know what, what I'm supposed to do?" And you say, "Sometimes you've just got to take a leap of faith." Yeah, the trust part comes later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that is so yeah. good. You know, trust yeah. trust can be given on yeah. day one and yeah. yes it will absolutely grow and become stronger mm. and stronger and stronger mm. and stronger mm. and it will actually when it does that become more resilient also yeah. Yeah. absolutely so it doesn't just break immediately yeah absolutely i think you're right i think I, I, one of the things i found reflected on this year or well, last year i should say now was um i got into a lot of flack um when the first um lockdown came because i felt i want to do my my best for people i thought people are going to be really struggling uh they're going to be in a, in a bad way. So I, I gave away a lot of my, my stuff, my IP, and I created an online leadership program, 14 mm-hmm. uh, week challenge and um, a whole thing around positive thinking. And I, I just gave it away and, and I, I felt that was the right thing to do. And, and what was interesting, I got so much flack from other consultancies you know, on social media saying, oh, you're, you're devaluing our business. You're giving it all away. How can we yeah. start charging people now and all that sort of stuff? And I thought, oh, that's really interesting in terms of, for me is that yeah i felt from an integrity point of view and an empathy point of view that was the right thing to do uh, okay yeah. yeah i lost a lot of revenue but so what you know i'm sure that will come back eventually um, yeah. but for me it was that it was the right thing to do. and i think that's that's me what trust is about isn't it is that mm. in the moment it's, it's how people operate in the moment and certainly in the military you know yeah. We needed people to step up. It's quite fascinating. A lot of people think the military is very command and control, but it's a completely opposite. It's very empowering. So okay. in a, in a, a you know, combat situation, you know, the person who's got the information is in charge. doesn't matter about your hierarchical position. You know, it's, If you've got the information, then you lead that part of the firefight or whatever. And yeah. I think that's that's really interesting. In, you know, in business, we don't do that, do we? No. Yeah, we don't we don't give that autonomy or that power to people to, to be able to do that because we don't trust them. And... I often think about it where thinking back to the old measurement piece around, you know, why don't we just trust people? Cause I, I can remember, yeah, I'm 58 now. I can remember not having any KPIs. <laughs> I can remember mm-hmm. doing a great job and getting great stuff done. And, yeah. and, and we've become very American, if I can say that in the way we manage our businesses, which we need to, I think, you know, get rid of. And, you know, for me, it's like, you, you hire the best person, you know, you make sure they can deliver what they can deliver. They've got direction, autonomy and support. Yeah. And then you let them get on with it. And, yeah. and you know, certainly in my team, I don't give my team KPIs. Just like I, I trust them to get on with it. And yes, we have conversations and yes, we look at performance, things like that. But, you know, in L&D, for example, how many people get measured on utilization of hours delivered and all that sort of rubbish? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely, they do. You just yeah. made me. You just made me think. Actually, the first, the first ever kind of part time job I had while I was while I was doing my A levels was a milkman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there was no KPIs in that other than there's the milk, <laughs> there's the milk getting delivered. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah. equally, what actually made me think was you know some some of us could do that a lot quicker than 
some others. Yeah. You know, some people were capable of carrying four bottles in yeah. their hand at a time and, yeah. uh, and memorizing yeah. all the all the yeah. plans and what everyone had. Yeah. Others weren't. And, and yeah. also you collect money. And at the thing, I think yeah. at the time it was 38 pence yeah. a pint of milk. Yeah. So some people yeah. were great with their 38 dimes table. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I wasn't. I think... But as long as the job was done, yeah, absolutely. everyone was happy. Happy. Yeah. I think we need to loosen up. up. Yeah. So going back to that whole, you know, update meeting sort of scenario where, you know, a lot of teams that get together, they don't have real meetings, they just have updates and, you know, tell me what you've done. And, you know, the managers sort of micromanaging because they, they, they feel that they've got to know what's going on. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, a leadership trait we need to change. You know, for me is you don't need to know everything. Yeah. You, know, you just need to trust your people to get on with it. And you're there, you know, your effort and energy should be focused on supporting them, enabling them, building their confidence, making sure they got the skills. You know, removing some of the blockers. Yeah. You know, dealing with the politics if you're in a corporate world to 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 clear the path to, you know, make sure that they can deliver their project on you know on the right way and stuff like that. And I think those sort of things um, are really important. You know, how much time is wasted on update meetings? You know. I don't need yeah. to know what people have done. Yeah, I need to know what's stopping them from from achieving success going forward. And, and every, and every uh, meeting yeah. anyone ever has is either half an hour or an hour or two hours yeah. long. You know, <laughs> yeah. Just how convenient is it that everything <laughs> can be decided in that amount of time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the back to back meetings as well. Yeah, particularly oh, now with the, the Zoom and stuff like that, and crazy. And I think we've 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 created this almost like a habit, isn't it? Where we've got this habit of way of working, and that's where I think the the question around the revolution comes in is. Yeah. You know, to break a break a habit, we need to have a revolution, and we need to be really serious about changing our habits. Mm. And you know, I often say to people is, you know, how many meetings do you go to in a year that don't add value? Yeah, and they all laugh. Everyone laughs, don't they? Everyone laughs about that. And I say to them, well, why do you go? Yeah. Well, I've got to go. You know. <laughs> and then again, you know, what could you do? Yeah. You know, if you weren't in those meetings, you know, what what more value could you add? by not having to go to a meeting, you know, prepare your PowerPoint presentation, do your pack, do your presentation. And yeah, I've, I've been to meetings where they'll send the board papers out or whatever, or their presentations the, the few days before. So you read them all and then you sit on this, you know, now it's it's on, on Zoom, isn't it? You sit there while they present it back to you thinking, oh, I just read that. Yeah. <laughs> I that. Yeah. What I need to know is what's going well, yeah, what's not going well? What are your problems? What are the opportunities? And, and what do you need from us to make you make it happen? That's it. Yeah, yep, let's have exactly a conversation that. around what the what the issues and problems are and opportunities are, and then yep. solve some problems together and, and move forward in a more effective way. So you've actually so you've actually got in your in your book as well. There, you talk about the creating high performance teams yeah is a crucial yeah. part of leadership yeah. um, and obviously some of the things we've talked about there aren't necessarily ingredients of high performance in ineffective meetings yeah. ineffective <laughs> yeah, updates yeah. all that sort of stuff yeah. Yeah. um and you've put that the, the role of a leader in today's world is to create high performance environment where success is inevitable yeah. now, it's something yeah. that i've i've talked about a lot is that what's the difference between the performance and the results, the success yeah. at the end of it. Are they the same thing? Are they yeah. different things? Can you have one without the other? What, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, so so if you think about, yeah, I can remember when KPIs first came in and I was working with DuPont at the time and, and we were doing some joint project with GE at the time. And uh, I, I can remember going, I said to some of the guys on this project, what, what's a KPI? I don't know what you talked about. Oh, it's, it's a new thing we're using to, to lead our business. and. It's a key performance indicator. I went, oh, okay, that's great. And um, I said, uh, can you teach me? He said, well, why didn't you come on one of our courses? So I went on one of the courses, uh, which was great. And, and I sat there and I remember the, the tutor, American guy, right at the start, I said, right on a bit of paper, write down um, 
all the things you need to do to be successful in your job. So yeah. he went away, wrote it down, shared it and had a dialogue and discussion, went for a walk outside, it's quite sunny, came back in and he said, he said, right, he said, they're the things that, that you need to put down as KPIs. So let me show you how their KPIs work sort of thing. And, and I often reflect on that and thinking, well, that's interesting because what he said was, was really powerful. What is it you need to do in order yeah. to get the results you need? Yeah. He didn't say, what are your results? Now make those KPIs. So we don't have KPIs anymore. You know, what we have is key result indicators, yeah. which we need. I think, you know, I'm not saying we don't need results because we need to know what we're measured on as an outcome. Yeah. But the focus is in the wrong place. The focus is on the outcome. Yeah, I can't control the outcome, but what I can control is the, in the input. Yeah, exactly. And plus, so, you know, so, I think I think those outcomes are, are crucial still because yeah, it, as long as yeah. it links into the vision and mission yeah, and the strategy yeah. you've talked about again, still we all need, need to win need games. To know how we're going to get there? Absolutely. Yeah. But then yeah. it, it's it's all about yeah. then right. What what's yeah. my role in that? So performance for me is is what is it you need to do in order to get your results? Yeah. So so I, I've always 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 focused on performance. Um, you know so. Knowledge we use. Um, we've we've done uh, quite a lot of work with a consultancy called Red to Blue, uh, yeah. and Red to Blue is a, a mindset uh, philosophy used a lot in elite sport, like the All Blacks and, and teams like that, to change your thinking from red thinking, which is you know you're stressed and you, you're thinking part of your brain's you know, switched off and you you punch people all that stuff to blue thinking, which is you're coherent and you can yeah. perform at a high level. Uh, and one of the analogies they use, they they say to people, so they put a picture up of a uh, two surgeons with a, an operating table and they say to you um, if you were lying on that table now where would you want the performance of your surgeons yeah between 0 and 100 percent and everyone goes 100 <laughs> percent actually 100 percent you know if not 110 percent yeah please and I think, <laughs> yeah absolutely so so it's interesting you know, no one says you know about results it's about the performance you know so so I, if, if I'm leading a team, my focus should be around making sure my team can perform at 100% as often as possible. Yeah. That's what I need to do. So in football, how do I get my players on the pitch feeling really good so they can perform? Now, obviously, there's elements around you know, clarity, strategy, skills, mindset, all that stuff comes in place. Um, but fundamentally, that's what, that's what my role is around. Yeah. You know, creating a high-performance team is a lot of leaders don't know how to create a team. You know, they... What they do is they they create what I call uh, the dead body syndrome, where they focus on tasks. They you know how many times you've gone to a project meeting or a yeah you know, kickstart meeting or a, a new team where they're going right okay this is what we need to achieve. Yeah, these are our outputs, and it's all task, all deliverable focused, uh, and it starts off okay, but people get tired, get a bit you know, a bit anti, and things go wrong, and you get a bit of conflict and. Um, they go, oh, we need an away day. You know, when performance starts dropping down, they go, we need yeah, an away yeah. day. So, so you go away, and I always smile when we get a call, uh, a success rate saying, I said, what, so the team's not performing it. Yeah, we need an away day. And I'm, okay, right, okay. And we have a little chat about it and, and discussion around it. So, yeah, my belief is that is, you know, what good is one day focused yeah. on relationship is going to do? Should yeah. be every day. Oh, yeah, I remember getting. Day. I remember getting a request uh, from a team um, or team lead. Actually, it was it was ahead of um, talking about morale. Yeah, on the team floor, and our morale was really low. And yeah. could the, could the L and D team actually come in and do some kind of buzz sessions to pick yeah. up morale? And I said that's really yeah. interesting. I said, you know, was morale low when they came out of training last time? Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Morale was really high. Oh, okay, so what you're saying is morale has dropped a lot 
since yeah. they've not been with us and they've been in their yeah. roles with their yeah. team leads and their environment. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's have a conversation yeah. about that. What? <laughs> why it's is been, morale so low? Yeah. What could you do? It's because the leaders are focused on deliverables because that's yeah. what they're measured on. Yeah, they're not measured on relationships, are they? And, yeah. and team building and stuff like that and trust and confidence. And it's wrong. You know, we, you know, you, you've got to get to a point where you're focused on relationships and deliverables. And I always yeah. think you know, in a new team, you focus on re- relationships first, you build the team, you set the team up for success. And I, and I always think about, you know, the team needs to know its purpose. Yeah, where it fits into the bigger picture. How does what it contributes to the bigger picture? Yeah, the more you know, down to that damn pink stuff, the more you focus on the purpose and the contribution and the value you add, the more engaged people are going to be because it's yep. important. Yeah, they, they was it used the example only of the um the cleaner, isn't it? A NASA cleaner, isn't it? Put the man on the moon sort of stuff and things yeah. like that. Um, so there's the purpose, and then it's around you know the 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 people really. Do we really understand each other? Um, do we know what motivates? We we use an exercise called a user manual about getting them to create a a user manual. How to get the best out of you? Uh, and we have a debate around that. Where, you know, what makes you mad, sad, and glad? And yeah. might do some you know some of the you know, classic psychometrics to help people understand their drivers and differences and all that stuff, and make sure they're playing to position. Um, so you've got the roles and responsibility, accountability in place. And then it's really about, you know, what are our team values and principles we need to operate? And, you know, the All Blacks are, are, are famous, aren't they, for having in the book Legacy um, around the 15 principles. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love the one which is, you know, sweep the shed, which is, you know, there's a cultural value around humility in, in, in New Zealand. And, you know, Jacinda Hearn is a, a classic example of that, isn't it? A fantastic Ooh, yeah. leader. Um, yeah, I'd say one of the best leaders, you know, politically in the world at the moment. I think yeah. definitely, and I think um, you need Michelle Michelle Obama in the states, and we're laughing, aren't we? We'll, we'll be away then, um, but let's not get political. Yeah, let's not go down <laughs> that route. We were slated for that, but anyway, it's, it's our, our beliefs anyway. So um, take it or leave it. But but for me, it's around you know that we've we you know that sweep the shed you know bit is a principle because it drives behavior. You might be the best team in the world or the best player in the world, but at the end of the mm-hmm. game. You clean the dressing room and i think that's great isn't it to have that yeah. that humility in place so agreeing what the team principles are really important and then really working out what the team processes are and typically in teams in, in the corporate environment they tend to be the meeting structures don't they is mm. you know, what, what are the different types of meetings you know the, it might be a, a, a daily bus session a weekly team meeting a you know a monthly review session a, a 90-day strategy yeah. review sort of types type sort of way of working routines, like getting that in set in place is really important. Uh, and then it's around you know, having, having um, you know, a, a set of performance measures which indicate what is it we need to do to, to achieve success. And then having a, a sense of pride, you know, what do we want to be famous for? And once yeah. you set that up and have that dialogue and agree that, and then you use the team then to create a, a plan then you're away, aren't you? You're yeah, away. Absolutely. Um, so, so, so I guess yeah. com- coming back to the kind of one of the things we started off this conversation with then. So you've got, uh, you. I think in your book again, in the house section, you've got around um, the reason people are so unhappy at work is that managers aren't being trained for a world, are being trained, sorry, for a world that doesn't exist anymore. And I want yeah. to change that. So yeah. the things that we're talking about there, all the things about trust, all the things about, uh, paving the way for performance that leads yeah. to that success all the way about understanding themselves before they understand others and leading themselves before they yeah. they lead others what is the role of D in this and and i guess you know the broader question how do we start moving leaders into that space is D the deliverable of that or, mm, or what yeah. part do they play in it i think there's a number it's a massive that's a massive topic we could spend the next 
10 hours talking about that company. But I think there is, there is a debate around what is the role of LND going forward. I think we need leaders in the business to understand that their role is to develop people. It is about you know, building confidence, building skill sets. You know, you know, you're a player coach, aren't you, in business? You, know, you need to deliver stuff, but you also need to deliver your team. I think it was John Adair, wasn't it, which I, which I love, and that's something they're using the military a lot around. Yeah task team and individual you've got the task to do um depending on your role you've got to develop the team you've got to develop individuals and i think that's really important to get the balance right with that um so i think you know going back to that you know your analogy there where your know, managers go into L and d saying yeah we've got a problem with morale sort it out for us it's got to change yeah you know and and we've got to get to the point and thinking let's develop leaders to be able to sort out morale to know how to change morale not to rely on L and D because it's not an L and D problem. It's a business problem, isn't it? So yeah, yeah we, we, um, example of that we worked with, uh, Coca or still work with Coca-Cola quite a lot. And, and we, we kept getting these team booster sessions. Yeah. Which was great for business. Uh, and after a, you know, quite a while of doing these one or two day events and typically it's a classic case on it. You know, the team's tired, uh, you know, they're, they're sales guys, engineering guys, all that sort of stuff. And they're exhausted and they want to come away for two days to reflect and think and have a bit of fun, which is great. Um, well, I said to the uh, the sales director and, and the, the MD, I saying, well, yeah, we can carry on doing this, but wouldn't it be a better way to actually train the, the managers of these teams, of the mm. leaders of these teams, to be able to do it every single day in the workplace? And they went, oh, yeah. that's a good idea. So we changed the emphasis from doing these team building sessions run by us to then developing the team leaders to be able to do it in the work. Yeah. And the difference has, has been dramatic, really. And I think so, so I think that's just one example, isn't it? But I think, yeah, we, we're definitely uh, L and D. We need to be there to challenge, provoke, you know, to you know, to make sure people are not just having a wish list. I hate the, you know, the the concept of having a, um, you know, the the performance conversation where people have to fill out a learning plan yeah. and they go, okay, what courses we've got available? Tick, 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 tick. Oh, done. Yeah. You know, I hate that. So there's the menu. Much. There's the menu of yeah, what we can do for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You choose and. So I think I think we gotta we gotta change the mindset. So I think I think there's a number of ways to think about that. I think first of all we've got to focus on what we're control of, and yeah. what we're in control of is our own house. So yeah. if if I was in in L and D in the corporate world, I'd get my own house in order first. Yeah. So we need to be leading in a new world way. We need to have a, a really effective way of working. We need to set up our team for success. We need to role model what we want other leaders to do in the business. Yeah, we yeah. can't we can't go out and teach other people unless we're doing it ourselves. So 100%. I think that's got to be the starting point, you know, so you've got to do a lot of self-awareness. You've got to have great leadership skills in place. You've got to have good teams in place. You need to have an L and D plan that's aligned, yeah. that's linked, that's reviewed regularly. It's an agile plan. You know, you've got to be driving innovation. You've yeah. got to have a ways of working, which is looking at what other organizations are doing, looking at um, you know, new ideas, new thoughts, uh, and starting to bring those into to the way of working. You know, yeah. I know in the past we've talked about you know, the, the dreaded LMS systems that people, you yes. know, how, many times, <laughs> how many times have L&D been told, oh, by the way, we've, uh, we've got a new LMS system that you weren't even involved in, but IT have bought it. Uh, and we yeah. now need to make it work and it's just so wrong isn't it so and now we now to do to figure out how do we get the the three thousand pieces of content on the old one onto the yeah. new one yeah. and update yeah. it all while still yeah. doing yeah. the the 500 yeah. project backlog yeah. that we've got anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah let's add more complexity to to what we're doing and yeah. have more admin people to manage the system that 
supposed to remove all that. Yeah, anyway. Let's make anyway. it really easier, a lot easier yeah. for everyone to get to these courses that no one seems to want to go to anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I think there's some radical rethinking around, you know, what does L&D look like for me? And I think for me, it's around, I like the phrase trusted advisor. I think yeah, we need yeah. to to create, you know, L&D people who are really professional what they do, but can go in and challenge and provoke and, and have a say and, and feel comfortable challenging any team at any level around what they need, you know, and not be done to, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that's, that's something we need to readdress. And uh, yes, we are a support function, but we're more of an enabling function. Yeah. Yeah, we, we are there to understand what the organizational strategy is to be able to understand the story behind what we're trying to do understand yeah. what the vision is being able to articulate that with meaning but then to be able to work with the businesses to say well, okay what skills do you now need to get from where you are now to the future and then start to work with them to then come up with stuff and some of it might be you know corporate global programs some of it might be on the job learning some of it might be developing leaders to be able to coach and uh, develop yeah. people effectively anyway. Um, you know, creating a, you know, the right culture. Um, mm. Yeah, we're, we are learning, aren't we, anyway? So, you know, creating that sort of type. So, because I think, yeah, I think a lot of learning happens uh, on the job, doesn't it? We all know that. And there's lots of research 100%. in that. And the, was it 70, um, 2010 stuff on it and yeah. all that sort of stuff, whether you believe that or not. But I think, I think you're right. I think, you know, in, in the military, I didn't have an L&D team. No, and that I, that weirdly you bring me to what is a, a question I often asked when I was performing the business partner role. Um, if you didn't have an L and D team, mm. what would you and your team do to try and solve this yeah. problem or get to yeah. this challenge or make this yeah. opportunity? What would it be? Yeah. And and the tap that opened was was really yeah. useful. Then and I said, okay, that's brilliant. How can we now help you? do that um, yeah. and I love the way that you know Simon Sinek talks about leadership he, he talks about that you know leaders aren't responsible for the results they're responsible for the people who are responsible yeah. for the results Absolutely. and I, I kind of try to push that further to L&D say you know we're, we're not responsible for those people we're responsible yeah. for the leaders yeah, <laughs> who are yeah. responsible for those people as are yeah. their own leaders yeah. uh, and yeah. I'm also a, a, a big believer that um, I don't know if you see my stuff on LinkedIn you'll have seen it that learning is always happening yeah, absolutely. Uh, and this push in the last 10, 20 years for a learning culture is, is mm. it's almost a pointless fight because yeah. we've all got a learning culture, whether we like yeah. it or not, because yeah. bad habits, bad processes, yeah. back doors, yeah. whatever it might be, yeah. they're all learned. Yeah. What we actually need, in my opinion, is that coaching culture you spoke, spoke about yeah. and being able to help yeah. leaders yeah. create those cultures themselves. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think the, the missing link is around learning is that, Yes, yes, we're learning all the time, but you then have to connect that learning mm. to your context. And then you have to apply that learning in a way that then improves what you're actually doing. I think the, the sad thing is we, we, we're working so fast that we might learn something. I mean, how many times have you heard in situations where, oh, hey, we've, just, we've done it again. We've yeah. made that mistake again. Yeah, yeah. and I, I see that a lot in you know, the project environment that I often work in with, with organizations around. Oh, so that project's failed. Yeah, it's just a bit like the other one, wasn't it? Have you changed how you do it? No. <laughs> it's like, why would you do that? Yeah, so, yeah, so they might have a lessons learned log somewhere in the business, but no one knows what it is, you know, or where it is or how to oh, get it. Absolutely. So, I think, so many times that celebration of success or yeah. that, that analysis or the, the, yeah. the PIR, the post-implementation yeah, review, yeah. everyone oh, wants to have. 
fill, but, fill out that template. You know? But again, no one's targeted, to your point, no one's targeted yeah, yeah, to have those yeah. reviews and celebrate yeah. success. Yeah, yeah. They're targeted to get back yeah. onto the next project next and deliver project, that yeah. one. Next, so yeah. what, what are you going to decide at that moment? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I get it all the time. You know, I do a lot around project and change. And I get, I ask them, say, you know, what's a successful project? And they tell me and they go, okay, why, why was that successful? Well, it was delivered on time in budget, you know, and the right scope, all that sort of stuff. And I say, well, did it add any value? Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but why is it successful then? You know, so it's all all that sort of stuff. That, Felt that good, and I, I helped about. me achieve my yeah, I, I, my I targets. <laughs> I I got my bonus because uh, we came under budget. You know, yeah, yeah, but the project fails. That doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> I got my I got my bonus. Yeah, my you see you see that as well as well that you know sometimes you get lots of yeah. individuals and teams within companies yeah. achieving yeah. their targets and their bonuses whilst yeah. the company itself is actually struggling yeah. and not hitting its targets and you go oh, that, yeah. that just mathematically cannot yeah. be correct you yeah. can't have yeah. people succeeding in their roles yeah and the company's not in its metrics yeah. it just shows they're yeah. not aligned i think yeah i think obviously you've got to get a balance between you know compliance and governance and yeah yeah you know, a lot a lot of yeah you know, there's a lot of organizations that are regulated and stuff like that which are important and uh yeah, we, we need to get that balance right between that. But I think we certainly can loosen off a lot, can't we? And, and start to, you know, remove some of the thousands of KPIs we've got and then trust people to get on with it. And, but get them to focus on, yeah, what are the what are two, three, two or three things? That, in my team, I like to have people who know what are the two or three things you need to do consistently really well to be successful. Yeah. Okay, then make sure they happen. You know, and, and if we do that, then, you know, we're going to be more successful, I think. And so I think there's lots we can do. So going back to your question about what, what should L&D do, I think step one is get their own acting gear. And if they don't know how to do that, then learn, you know, learn what other teams are doing, learn what their latest thinking is, learn what the, the future, you know, anticipate what we need to do in the future yeah. and then start to make that happen. Um, I think that's the first step. Yeah, and yeah, I've, I know I've done that with, with L&D teams where we've helped them to um, think in a more strategic way, to, um, to lead more effectively, to have more impact and influence and yeah. uh, be more confident in what they do able to challenge more effectively but then to be able to operate in a, a more you know project uh, management way not not in a bureaucratic way but in a yeah. you know a, a really simple way of okay let's not do something before we th we've really understood you know why are we doing this uh, and often you know you mentioned before hey, how many projects get started when you haven't got to the root cause yeah and we're just we're tackling a symptom you know and we see that well all you the mentioned time. you mentioned COVID before obviously I, uh, it was um Stephen Jr I think he was yeah. called I talk yeah. about his, his dad and he talks about putting first things first yeah and I think that's what yeah. people do people use that to actually identify what the burning fires are yeah um, and that you know there's nothing wrong with identifying burning fires they need putting out but yeah, yeah. I think people operate in that space then forever yeah. instead of actually what I think yeah. well I personally think the message was in, in, in that was you need to find out what the important things are that aren't so urgent and you yeah. really need to be pushing those because those are the things yeah. that will yeah. stop the fires burning yeah. in the first place yeah. yeah yeah so yeah we don't we don't do that double loop learning do we go okay so I've got to put that fire out so put the fire out but then another fire starts over there yeah. because actually we haven't got to the root cause yet so we haven't said okay so let's let's understand the problem first why did that become a problem and why did yeah. that happen and why is that fire happening you know if we understand that fully yeah 
then we can come up with the right solution and, yeah. and tackle the right thing, you know. You're right. Well, you know, Vel and Dia there with the with the, the big hose trying to put it out, but at the same time, we've got poor leadership fanning the flames. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's just pointless. It's something else we need to focus on. Yeah, it's a bit like, you know, how many how many L and D teams have said, you know, by the the senior team, oh, we need the leadership program, go and get one, you know. Yeah. And, and they haven't changed back. So so yeah, what we're talking about here, you know, and, and there's the business hasn't really defined what leadership looks like for them. Um, yeah. They haven't linked it to the strategy. They don't really know what their leadership principles are. They haven't really, yeah. you know, crafted, um, you know, some clarity around expectations. And then we go and get a, you know, an off the self, you know, whatever program it is, and we run it and it doesn't work. It doesn't make any difference. And we wonder yeah. why, you know. Actually, people weren't bought into it. I mean, who who yeah. better in the organisation than the people within it themselves? Yeah, are there to go? Yeah. What, what do we need from leaders yeah. in terms of values and and behaviours yeah. yeah. to be yeah. able to deliver the strategy and the mission and the vision that we've all built yeah. together? Yeah. Instead, yeah. we'll go well. Well, we just like outsource that almost to L and D yeah. and say, yeah. just go and get a best <laughs> yeah. practice set of principles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. well, I don't care about those. Well, that doesn't yeah. mean anything to me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And you get misalignment, don't you? Or even worse, what happens is if you've got a big organization, you've got like five or six different L&D departments around the world all doing yeah. different things, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, we're, we're not talking, we're not learning, we're not sharing. So I think I think there's a, I think, yeah, so L&D, get your own acting gear first, you know, develop your, your leaders and your L&D team, get your team set up for success, get a, a one-page plan. You know, I think if you can't articulate the L&D plan on a page, yeah, I do a lot with organizations where they take their 80, 80 page strategy that's been developed by some consultancy for a great amount of money yeah. and say to them, look, you've got to get that down to a page because the idea about a strategy should be around, A, is about your thinking around what you should do, but yeah. it's out of date the minute you produce it because things change so quickly. So it's more about how you tell a story behind it, how you tell the direction and how you then operate that and implement it and how you communicate it with meaning. Mm. So if it's in 80 pages, no one's going to read it. No, yeah, no well, and they don't. they don't. They don't. Yeah. No. Until um, they so, need to find a reason why something went wrong, and then they kind of yeah, go, oh, well, so we've not done what we said on page 45. <laughs> yeah. yeah, line 54 on that Excel spreadsheet, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so we, we need to find a way of, of um, you know, articulating that as a journey, um, as a, a story, uh, as a narrative, and some dialogue behind it. You know, yeah, the business is here at the moment. You know, this is this is what we do for society. This is the impact we're looking for. This is our purpose, if you like. Um, this is where we want to get to. This is where we are now. These are the five or six key things or themes we need to focus on. That's yeah. going to enable us to remove the blockers to get from where we are now to that future state. Yeah which often requires growth, doesn't it, in, in today's world? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then then it's around, so, okay, so how does our now, how does our L&D plan, you know, our people capability plan or our people plan, how does that fit in there? And, and I always say a, a good stepping stone is to get the people plan onto the major strategy because often you'll see um, an organizational strategy um, which is just really, it's not really a strategy, it's a set of goals. <laughs> um, but I always think, you know, top-level strategy should be, answering three questions. Yeah, how are we going to grow? How are we going to operate more effectively and more efficiently? Uh, and what's our people plan? Yeah. And so all those three things, all those three questions should be answered on one page. So obviously then you take the people element of that at top level, take that down and you know, what's your model of, of people development? Yeah. And, yeah. and we're breaking that down into the four or five key programs or themes that you need to work on to be successful. Yeah. Absolutely. If you, wow. yeah, all the teams I work with who do that are, are more successful. So. Absolutely. Oh, it completely makes sense. 
Yeah. So I'm just I'm just looking at some of the notes that I've made there. I think we you know we've we've, we've righted the world and we could probably do <laughs> 15 episodes about this sort of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. um it's been a really fantastic conversation that I guess it, one of the, the 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 last thing for us to do um as per the title of the podcast leadership untitled is to to come up with a a, a title for this episode based on what we've been talking about. Mm. Um where from your mind where, where do you think where do you think we might be leading to with that? What would what's your gut thinking there? I like the the revolution bit sort of jumped out when you were saying that. I thought, oh, he's going to ask me a question now. What do I think it should be? The <laughs> word that came straight to my mind was something around revolution, around, yeah, having the courage to, to because that's one of the things that gets in, in the way of learning, isn't it? A lack of courage. So I think, yeah, um, you know, courageous leadership, maybe something around that, around, you know, having the, you know, the, the guts to get our own act in order, to be, to be different, to be, to be the change, isn't it? Was it Gandhi quote, isn't it? Be the change you want to see. Yeah. So I think there's something around that. Um, and it's time. You know, the time is now. We've got a, a wonderful opportunity where it's a bit like, you know, someone's, yeah, you know, there's snow globes you get at Christmas where yeah. you shake it all up, isn't it? Someone's done that, haven't they? They've done that to the world now and to organizations. And, you know, before all the snow settles, we need to be clear about what we're going to do. And I think um, now is the time to really start to, have a voice and to challenge the status quo, to challenge the habits, to challenge the way we do things, to educate people around the fact that yeah, now's the time to change. Yep. You know, there's yeah, there's tons of stuff in there around you know remote working, virtual working, trust, leadership. Um, so yeah, let's let's get our order in place. If if you're leading an LMD team, let's let's work out how to do that most effectively. Do it, do it really well, uh, and start to make make the changes happen. So I've got three things there from what you said. We've got the revolution, courageous leadership, or the time is now. Yeah. The vote is yours, Graham. What, what would you like it to be called? Oh, the time. If we're going to focus on L&D, I think the time is now. The time is yeah. now. Perfect. The time is now. That yeah, will be our not, title. Let's, let's not lose the opportunity, I think. I think we've, you know, organizations, senior teams are struggling. Yeah. They, they don't, they're in, in a world where in the past they've known the answers. Mm. Yeah, they're expert at retail or expert at manufacturing or expert, whatever they're expert at. Um, now they're floundering a little bit and they need help and they need support and they need to act really quickly to work out what is it we need to do to get, get the best out of our people going forward. And, and there's going to be massive restructuring, massive new changes. And I think L&D plays a big part in that. So let's step up. Yeah, yeah let's... Um, Let's not be managers and, and just wait to be told what to do, you know, and implement it. Let's step up and become leaders and, and really go for it and, and have a voice and start to challenge, provoke and, and, and make it happen. So I think, yeah, the time is now. Perfect. We've never had a better time, I don't think. The time you know? is now. Yeah, I think, I think in the past we used to fight for budget, didn't we? And then do whatever we could with the budget we've yeah. got. Well, so many um, more things are possible now, you know, I mean, the idea yeah. of working from home was so often challenged yeah. and now so much yeah. money and investment has gone into it and proved yeah. that yeah. it does work. Yeah. What else could work? You know, what, what are the things that we used to do? Should we just get rid of? What things yeah. that we learned should yeah. we bring in? Yeah. Um, it's a mix. I think getting rid, of, getting rid of, I think is a massive question and a massive yeah. thing to sort out Yeah, What, what processes, procedures, stuff we did, you know, and, and yeah, I can't see at the moment, you know, that you sort of there, you know, the, um, the long leadership development programs that we used to run where they were amazing, you know, getting away for five days or whatever and stuff like that. It's not going to happen for a long time that. So no. what can we do now um, that's going to be really effective that 
that is going to help people to change their mindsets to, to get the skills and, and thinking they need to be successful going forward. Perfect. I think that's our duty. Yeah, that's our that's how we can have value. That's, that's, our our, that's our why. That's our value. That's our purpose. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, that. that's our that's our, our need to go out there and, and support these leadership teams and organizations to to really start to think differently. Perfect. Definitely. Brilliant stuff. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Graham. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it as I have. I have, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and I'll uh, obviously be watching it and reflecting on it and uh, learning from it. Of course, there's always stuff you can learn, isn't there? So. Exactly that. Look, watching it back and going, why did I say that? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm comfortable with what I said. But, uh, it's always, always, always useful. I, I could have said that better, or yeah, yeah. actually, I didn't mention Perfect. this. And there's probably yeah, the, we we covered such a wide range there. So yeah, there's probably topics. So if anyone's sort of watching it and uh, there's a particular topic that perhaps you want to go into. You know, a bit more depth then maybe i'm more than happy to to get on uh, online with you rather than and discuss that a little bit more yeah there's one particular Absolutely. topic so we, we've gone across the top haven't we but we haven't yeah haven't done the the the, the tea bit have we the the bit going down in depth so yeah, well certainly when, when i put this online i'll uh, i'll put that in the comments asking for people if they, they yeah, want anything more there and and equally if people want to get in touch with you graham uh are interested yeah, more so, in what you do what's the best way for them to do that so obviously i'm on linkedin um there's obviously the successfactory.co.uk is our corporate website there's my personal website which is grownwilson.com um so there's tons of stuff out there um and uh yeah, get in touch and more than happy to connect with you. Um, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all that sort of stuff. So I'm out there, search for me, you'll find me, I'll be there. And uh, more than happy to have a discussion and debate. And uh, I know we're, we're going to be doing some good stuff together, aren't we, Rob, in the future? So no doubt we'll be Absolutely. talking about that at a later date, but it's all good. Great stuff. Thank you very much. And we'll uh, I'll speak you, to you soon. Yeah, cheers, mate. Been a pleasure. Bye now. Bye. And there we have it. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Leadership Untitled podcast. This episode will be called The Time Is Now. My thanks go out again to Graham for joining me today and sharing all his insight with us. And also for you guys out there listening in. Please, if there's any topics or guests you'd like me to invite onto the show uh, or to cover, then please get in touch with me on the usual email address, phone number, LinkedIn, whatever your choice is, and I'll do my best to do that. In the meantime, Thank you very much. And if you've not done so already, please subscribe so you don't miss out on any episodes. Speak soon. Bye now.